Hey everyone, and welcome back to Movie Theater Mom, a podcast where it's all about movie commentaries here. Today, we are talking about my second favorite Harry Potter movie and favorite book, The Half-Blood Prince. This is also the first Harry Potter movie that I worked, my first midnight show that I worked on top of that. I thought Twilight fans were intense. They do not hold a candle to Harry Potter fans. Like, I never wanted to work a midnight show again. I obviously did, but I don't think I saw the floor for hours. Like, people were showing up at 6 o'clock for a midnight movie, and I thought they were insane. But, I mean, it was warranted. These movies are amazing. But I just didn't understand getting there six hours early. But whatever. The earliest I've ever gotten to a midnight was for Breaking Dawn Part 1, which I'll know. I got there, like, I don't know, like three hours early? Four? But still, like, people had actually been there all day for Half-Blood Prince. And they just started lining up at, like, 6 o'clock because they wanted to be the first ones in the theater. And I was like, this is just madness. But anyways, now that I've hyped this up for you guys, let's get into this movie. So you guys know the drill. We always start out with our stars of this show. We do only have really one new star that I want to talk about, and that is Jim Broadbent. And he is our new potions professor. That's right, you heard me. Potions, not defense against the dark arts professor. I was floored. But he plays Horace Slughorn. And we love Horace. He's weird as hell. But he's just a really sweet guy. And that's really all I have to say about him. He's kind of forgettable, honestly. And I don't remember how much of a part he played in the book versus the movie. But I know that they do keep him around because he is in Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2. So at least he sticks around for more than just one year. That is a positive in my book. So when this movie starts out, we actually pick up right where the fifth movie left off in the Ministry of Magic. And Harry's getting photographed by reporters and everything like that. And Dumbledore is holding him close, you know, trying to protect him now that they're cool again. It always really annoyed me in the fifth one that he just ignored him. But we've already talked about that. Stay on focus. And then we jump to Death Eaters attacking London and they actually steal Professor Ollivander you know the guy that runs the wand shop they steal him we don't figure out why until the next movie but basically everything in Diagon Alley gets pretty much exploded they attack random muggles in London and this is just very just off brand for Death Eaters so something's up which we already know And then we jump to Harry, who is in a train station, and apparently he spent his whole summer riding trains. I guess he didn't stay at the Weasleys or with the Dursleys, so we were a rogue wizard this summer. And he even meets a girl, and she's like, oh, you need to tell me more about Harry Potter. Well, they're going to meet up after she gets off work, but then, of course, Dumbledore shows up and cock blocks him. And he tells him that they're going to take a trip. And they apparate, which basically means he just takes Dumbledore's arms and we we swirl about and then we land at our location. And our location would be in a neighborhood. And we get to the house of Horace Slughorn, who we later find out becomes our potions professor, but we don't know that just yet. And they're looking for him and when they get in the house, it looks really ransacked and they think that he, that the Death Eaters have gotten him and now he's dead. Well, we see this perfectly content little armchair that is very much out of place. Dumbledore goes and pokes it, and all of a sudden, 
Slughorn's head just pops out and he transforms back into a person. So pretty cool that you can turn yourself into an armchair. Not very cool that you didn't, you know, dingy yourself up a little bit, but whatever. We do find out that he is hiding from the Death Eaters, though. They've apparently been following him and trying to trap him and kidnap him for months. And apparently he's just been switching from Muggle House to Muggle House while these people are on vacation. And just busting up in their houses and staying for a while. So he's just a bum, basically. At first, he's very hesitant to come back to Hogwarts. And then when he does meet Harry... He's very intrigued by Harry because he also taught Lily and he loved Lily. And then whenever they're like, oh, we're just going to go then. You're not interested. We're just going to skedaddle. Well, that changes his tune. He's like, no, 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 I'll come back. But I want this office and I want better pay because it's crazy times. Actually, it says it's mad times we're living. And Dumbledore tells him that basically he's obsessed with students that come from either high wizards or you know pure blood or anything like that and he likes to collect them in a set and since he's already taught lily then he needs harry not to complete a set but it's still two potters well quote unquote potter for lily it's two of them you know that he has in a set so basically that's the only reason that dumbledore brought him along was to intrigue slughorn and he even apologizes to him he's like you know sorry that I ruined your evening. She was a very pretty girl. And he's like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'll go back tomorrow and, you know, explain everything. He goes, no, 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 you're not going back. He goes, we've got other plans. He's like, well, I don't have my trunk. I don't have my owl. We have been doing this for six years. Like this wizard knows everything. He's got it. Don't worry about your things. They're already where they're supposed to be. So he apparates him to where the burrow with the Weasleys. And we love the burrow. Like I said, it is a home away from home for me when I watch it. I would just love to stay there. Get me an Airbnb right now and I will go stay there. Of course, we go into the burrow and Ginny is the first one to see his stuff. And she's like, oh, where's Harry? Why didn't anybody tell me that he's here? Girl, why do you need to know? Number one. And then everybody's, of course, like, Harry's not here. Ron's like, I would know if my best friend's here. Well, all of a sudden, Harry just appears. Him and Ginny embrace it's cute i guess i don't know we will get into that later because i have comments and then we cut to harry ron and hermione and they're talking about the next school year and how even hermione's parents didn't want her to come back to school and they're muggles and she's like they even know that something's up and then ron says yeah mom kind of lost it didn't want me and jenny going back and then dad was like nah you're being crazy kids are going to go to school so i mean they're all going to school but it is a very much like leery time for them to be going to school we do a lot of jumping back and forth in this movie um basically because we're now splitting two stories and trying to combine them at the same time so we like i said we jump back and forth and now we're going to jump to the snape story so we jump to him and he is waiting at a house actually wormtails with him which is a very odd pairing to me but whatever he's rude to him it's justified but bellatrix and draco's mom narcissa i think is her name they're sisters so mind blown there i always forget that they're sisters until i watch this movie i'm like oh yeah duh so weird that bellatrix is draco's aunt but you know it fits they're worried about draco because the dark lord has asked him to do something and they don't think he's gonna be able to fulfill it and snape's like i'll keep an eye out on him i'll make sure it's done 
Well, then Bellatrix is like, oh, those are just empty words. You need to make the unbreakable vow. He's like, fine, get out your wand, I'll do it. And I'm like, what was this nonsense? So basically him and Narcissa shake hands. Bellatrix repeats a spell talking about how he'll protect Draco and he'll help him fulfill the duty that the Dark Lord put on him. And if he can't fulfill it, then Snape will have to go through with it himself. Now, we don't know what that plan is yet. It all comes out later. But, you know, just the suspense kills you. While they're there making this unbreakable vow, though, Snape also mentions that he's been able to fool one of the greatest wizards in a century. And they all chuckle, and he's like, no, listen, we may be trying to pull a fast one on Dumbledore, but he is a great wizard. And so that kind of makes you suspicious. So you just... You love Snape and you hate him at the same time, but I am a team Snape girly and I will not apologize. <laughs> we then jump to um, Diagon Alley, like I said, which is in ruins. Basically, everything is shut down and Mr. Ollivander is missing. But the one thing that is running is Fred and George's jokes shop, comedy shop, whatever you want to call it. And Hermione even asks her, like, how do you think they even keep this running and Ron says well he they think that everybody needs a good laugh and I think that that's true I think in dark times people go to something that makes them feel comfortable and comedy is kind of up at the top of the list this is also where we find out that Jenny is dating Dean Thomas he's not a very popular character in the movies um you may recognize him though if anybody is a Shondaland fan he is Wes from How to Get Away with Murder and I remember when I watched that show I was like oh my god he's from Harry Potter (laughs) couldn't remember his name because like I said he doesn't really make a big impression on you but I knew he was from Harry Potter and that's really all that mattered but while they're leaving the joke comedy shop Harry Ron and Hermione see Draco and his mom going into Borgen and Burke, which is off in Nocturne Alley, I believe. So they follow, obviously, but they can't see what is in Borgen and Burke because they close the curtains. They see that they're looking at like a cabinet, but they can't tell anything about it. Harry, of course, thinks that Draco is a Death Eater because makes sense, tracks, dad's a Death Eater, so obviously Draco has to be a Death Eater too. So what does Harry do? He's going to go and spy on Draco while they're on the train to Hogwarts. He's like, I'm going to take my invisibility cloak and I'm going to go see what's up. Which, it backfires. This should be a surprise to no one. Because Draco does catch on to it because he kind of sees a bag move. And so, when everybody has left their card, he's like, oh, I'll be right there. And then he stuns Harry and then takes the invisibility cloak off, kicks him in the face, breaks his nose, and then puts the invisibility visibility cloak back on and he's like oh have a nice train ride back to London but have no fear because my girl the girl we all know and love Luna Lovegood with her crazy ass glasses saves the day and she is able to find him because of said glasses and I can't remember what she said he had floating above his head but that's what made her be able to find him and Luna even fixes his broken nose she's just really a gem and we must protect her at all cost Now that we're back in Hogwarts, you know, we do the traditional, let's introduce the new professors of the year. We introduce Professor Slughorn, new potions master. And then who is our new dark arts professor, you may ask? The time has finally come for this man to be the dark arts professor. And it's Snape. His time to shine is now. 
So apparently Harry wasn't even going to take the potions class and McGonagall tells him, well, don't you want to become an Auror? And he's like, yeah, but I thought I had to get an outstanding on my OWL. And obviously he didn't because explosion happened. So I don't even think anybody passed their OWLs, but that's neither here nor there. She says that that was only a rule when Snape was teaching potions. Now that Slughorn is, he doesn't care about that. So he's like, okay, great. I'll go. And she's like, oh, we'll take Ron with you. So they both end up in Slughorn's class. And when they get there, they don't have a book. And he tells them, oh, just go to the cabinet and get you a book. Well, there's an old one and a brand new one. So of course they fight over the new one because who wants a ratty old book? Harry loses. He ends up with a ratty old book. And on the inside of this ratty old book, it says that this book is the property of the Half-Blood Prince. And it's got margins, like it's written in the margins. It's got stuff crossed out that this person has corrected, made their own spells, everything. I mean, it's pretty freaky, but Harry goes with it. And apparently in this class, they have to brew a living death potion correctly. And then they win, um, Felix Felices, and I think I just said that wrong, but it's a basically a liquid luck potion. Well, with this old book that has all these things crossed out to help him make this potion, Harry is able to win. So he now has this liquid luck just in his pocket, literally. Harry does end up becoming obsessed with this book. Like he reads it all the time. Ron jokes that he even sleeps with it, but it becomes a massive, massive problem later on. And we will get to that later. Right now, we're going to talk about Dumbledore and his cabinet full of Tom Riddle slash Voldemort's memories. He's apparently trying to figure something out and he needs Harry's help with it. Well, he shows Harry this memory of when he first met Tom at an orphanage. And little baby Voldemort, we get to see him, aka Baby Harden. If anybody has ever watched the after movies, they're god awful, but he's in them. And fun fact, he's actually, I want to say that he is Ray Fine's nephew or like cousin something. So baby Voldemort and adult Voldemort are related. So that's cute little fun little tidbit. But back to the orphanage, this little boy is creepy. He can talk to snakes and he can, he, people just think he's weird and rightfully so. He gives off a very weird vibe and still to this day, he gives off a very weird vibe. In, the, in this present Harry Potter time. he's Voldemort's a weird dude. No doubt about it. I mean, the dude's closest companion is a big-ass snake. If that doesn't give you a red flag, I don't know what will. But apparently, Tom slash Voldemort, before he was Voldemort, was very close to Slughorn, and Dumbledore wants a memory from Slughorn about Tom coming to him and asking about a rare form of magic. Because he has a memory, but it's been tampered with. And so Dumbledore wants Harry to let Slughorn collect him so he can get close to him to get said memory. But for now, we're going to talk about Quidditch because we like to pepper that in in some of these movies. And in this movie, Ron is trying out for Quidditch, which apparently Ginny also plays. I don't remember that, but also it's been over 10 years since I've read this book. So I don't remember much about it, but I forgot that she was even on this Quidditch team. But here we are. Ron's trying out for Keeper, which is the goalie. And he also has a little bit of competition in this tryout. And I think his name is McCormick or McCormick or something. I cannot remember. He's, he's very forgettable also. 
he's also trying out and he's big wig and he also has a little crush on Hermione and he wants Ron to introduce them. So awkward. Ron does make the team and he makes goalie. So yay for Ron. Happy times. While Harry is being super obsessed with this book though, later on, he finds a new spell. It's called Sectum Sempra. And he asks Hermione, he's like, have you ever heard of the spell? And she goes, no. And you really need to stop reading that book. You need to give it back. You need to admit that you cheated basically to get this liquid look. And he's, they're kind of making fun of her because they're like, oh, you're just mad that he's better at you in a class. You know, don't worry about it. And they brush it off. Well, eventually, Harry and Hermione get invited to one of Slughorn's dinner parties because they actually follow him to the Three Broomsticks because he needs to get collected, as Dumbledore told him to do. So he's doing just that. And at the Three Broomsticks, once they're leaving, they see a girl, Katie, who has a package in her hand. She gets cursed by said package that she found in the bathroom she said that someone gave it to her harry of course thinks it's draco i mean we're probably on the right track to thinking that but that boy does not do everything harry can we cut him just a wee bit of slack i mean i don't want to i love draco but boy's got issues and he's hard to root for ever we don't uncover the mystery of said necklace until later but basically Katie is in the hospital wing recovering from being cursed by this necklace because when she got cursed, it like slid her all around in the snow and then lifted her up in the air and then dropped her on the ground. Girl went through it. But now we've made it to Ron's first Quidditch match and he is terrified. He's so nervous. He says that after this game, he's just going to quit the team and that McCormick can have his spot. And then Harry hands him a drink and Luna makes Ron think that he put something in it and he thinks that it's the liquid luck potion and so all of a sudden Ron is like super confident in what he's doing wins the match everybody's super excited and Hermione's like you shouldn't have given him that and he said you're right that's why I didn't and it was still in his pocket and he goes I just made him think that I gave it to him he goes that's all you need to do and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this girl, who has been, like, kind of creepily stalking Ron, just comes up and kisses him. Her name's Lavender Brown, and she's also a weirdo. And Hermione gets very upset. And this is where I'm going to talk about these relationships in this movie. <laughs> okay, so we're all made very much aware, very quickly, that Harry and Ginny like each other, and then Hermione and Ron like each other. We've known Hermione and Ron have liked each other since the beginning really but it's kind of made more aware now i mean they are 16 i mean it's it's normal you know whatever hormones it's a thing but i don't buy the harry and jenny relationship for one second the harry and jenny movie relationship is completely different from the harry and jenny book relationship i do remember that because it was way more in depth because jenny is dating dean and I'm pretty sure Harry gets jealous and it's a big thing. And in the movie, it's like, oh, Ginny and Dean are dating. Oh, they're fighting. Oh, they've broken up. And nothing is really talked about. You don't ever see them interact with each other except for the one time that you see them kissing at the three broomsticks. Now with Harry, not Harry, with Ron and Hermione, I believe that more because we've had that build up for six movies now. And it's very believable. 
And I don't know if it's the acting between the girl that plays Jenny and Daniel Radcliffe. I don't know, but it's just, I don't buy it. And I am so passionate about this because I think it was very much forced upon us that we were supposed to like Harry and Jenny together. And I just don't. (laughs) I liked them in the book, if I remember correctly. But in this movie, it just felt like a very stale relationship and just it's so frustrating to me because I'm like oh my gosh like even re-watching it it just doesn't get any better because you're like this just feels forced it doesn't feel romantic because they could just kind of come together and and I'll talk about that more here in a minute but it's just like oh it happened and they're together cool nothing's talked about no build-up no nothing like you know that Jenny's liked him but it's never talked about a whole lot until this movie and then it's just all of a sudden bam they're supposed to be together and you're supposed to root for that and I just don't and I might get a lot of hate for that but it's my opinion and I'm sticking with it now that I've gotten my feelings on that situation out of the way back to what I said that Hermione was upset because Lavender and Ron kissed and she runs away Harry goes to comfort her like the good friend that he is And she asked him, she's like, how do you deal with it? Because I know that you like Jenny and how do you feel seeing her with Dean? And he doesn't really say anything. And then all of a sudden Ron and Lavender come from around the corner and she has these birds that are just flying around. She has some spell that she's doing and she makes the birds attack Ron, basically explode themselves. The girl's pissed and Harry's like, it feels a whole lot like this. And you can just tell that she's really upset and everybody knows that she likes Ron, but they won't tell each other that they like each other because they're stubborn. So we've now made it to Christmas and Ron and Harry are talking about his relationship and how what Lav and him have is special and it just makes me want to throw up. But at Christmas time, apparently Slughorn has a Christmas party that they're supposed to bring a date. Well, Hermione decides to ask McCormick, McCormick, whatever his name is, to go as his date. And Harry's like, oh, then I don't have anybody to take because I thought that since we both can't go with people we want to go with, that we could go together. And she's like, oh, why didn't I think of that? That's a really great idea. And it blows my mind because she is smarter than both of those boys combined. And she didn't think of that, which granted her heart is is breaking right now because the boy that she likes doesn't like her back or he does but he just won't admit it whatever and so he harry says okay well i'll just ask somebody else and she said well you know this girl over here romilda vane or whatever her name is likes you and is brewing you a love potion you could ask her he's like really and he she's like she thinks you're the chosen one he goes well i am the chosen one (laughs) it kills me because she's like she slaps him on the head like he's just like a bad dog honestly and Harry's like no I'll take somebody cool it's totally fine and who is this cool person that he takes you guys already know who I'm about to say it's Luna and she's wearing this quirky little dress with her little tennis shoes and she's she's like I don't think I've been at this part of the castle while I've been awake and I'm like girl knows how to stop a conversation dead in its tracks (laughs) so while everyone is at this christmas party draco is heading to the room of requirement because the cabinet that we saw at the beginning of the movie has made its way to hogwarts and we 
find out that he can transport things back and forth because he has an apple that he's eating and he puts it in the cabinet. You hear it whoosh. <laughs> hear it whoosh back and it's got a piece bit out of it which is disgusting but that's neither here nor there. But we figure out that he can transport things and eventually we're going to work up to bigger things that can be transported to this cabinet. Also at this Christmas party, Snape shows up to tell Harry that Dumbledore wanted him to know that he will be traveling over the holiday, so he won't be back until the new semester, term, whatever they call it. He's like, did he say where he was going? And of course, Snape didn't give him any information. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Filch walks in with Draco and he says, oh, that he's in trouble for something because he was trying to sneak into the party, which we know is a cover up. But Snape says, oh, I'll take care of him. I'll just take him with me. Well, of course, Harry follows because he's nosy and he hears him talking to Draco about the unbreakable vow and how he, you know, he made this unbreakable vow and he needs to really appreciate what he's doing for him. And when Harry asks Ron about this unbreakable vow, he finds out that if you break an unbreakable vow, that the penalty for that is death. So you die if you don't fulfill what you said you were going to do. And now it's Christmas time at the best place ever, the burrow. And everyone's there, even Lupin and Tonks, who are an item now, which is super cute, but it's not really. And they actually do end up getting married. I can't remember when, but they do get married and they have a little kid together and he's a little werewolf and it's precious, but it's not really talked about. It's kind of mentioned here and there, so I don't feel bad spoiling that for you guys. Um, at the burrow, Harry talks to Mr. Weasley about Dumbledore's traveling, and he says that that's news to the Ministry of Magic, but maybe Dumbledore wants to keep it that way, just to kind of keep them guessing about him, I, I guess. But he does tell him that the cabinet that he saw slash heard them talking about is called a vanishing cabinet, and the one at Borgen and Burke that they saw is actually still there. So intrigue is this the duplicate is this a sister what's going on we'll find out so while lupin and tonks are leaving the burrow for the night because it's the first cycle of the new moon so they don't want to be around people i don't blame them they hear something in the woods or lupin does and he's just a little bit like leery about it and then all of a sudden all these death eaters appear and they attack the burrow uh, Harry goes after Bellatrix because she is still chanting I killed Sirius Black to basically bait him into coming out and being exposed and of course Jenny follows and then all of a sudden when they all make it they make it to like this like pond area well, while they're all there all of a sudden the Death Eaters attack the burrow like the actual burrow and they burn it it doesn't burn all the way to the ground I'm gonna go ahead and just let y'all know that right now it's back in the seventh movie so all's good because they're wizards and can fix everything but it is still really sad to watch the burrow burn because molly's there and fred and george are there and it's just really sad to see it just go up in flames because you don't know if it's going to come back in the next movie or if they're going to have a home to live in so it's it just breaks your heart especially when mr weasley just told harry that Molly doesn't ever leave the house. She's scared because she thinks that they're being watched by Death Eaters. So tack that on top of it. And it's just a... Mm. So now we go back to Hogwarts after Christmas break. 
and Harry is still working with Dumbledore on more Tom Riddle memories. We actually see the memory that Dumbledore needs, and like I said, it was tampered with. All you hear him ask Slughorn is that it he wants some information about a piece of rare magic, and it's called, and then it's muffled, and you can't hear anything. And that is what Dumbledore wants Harry to try and get from Slughorn, is that just that specific memory. And Harry is a terrible detective because <laughs> he's asking Slughorn all these questions, the same questions that Tom asked in the memory. And Slughorn obviously catches on to what he's doing and gets pissed and is like, I don't want you to ask me about this. Just Dumbledore sent you to do this and he's pissed. And as he should be. Like, yes, it's important to have that memory, but also it's his memory. And if he doesn't want people to know it, then they don't have to know it. And you do figure out why he doesn't want people to know what Tom asked because he does kind of help him in what he wants to do. Not really. He just kind of gives him the information that he needs. And I think he feels bad about the information that he gave him, which is why he tampered with that memory because he felt like a bad person for what he told him. So since Harry's plan was foiled, he then goes back to the dorm, whatever they're called, common room, their, their side of the building and he sees all these chocolate wrappers everywhere and he figures out that Ron has decided to eat a box of chocolates that were actually meant for Harry and Ron's acting super weird and he's like have you ever noticed how beautiful it is and he goes what and he goes the moon <laughs> and he's just acting like he's drunk honestly and he's like what's going on with you dude and then he figures out that he got that box from Ramil Devane who he knew was making a love potion for him. So he takes him to Slughorn because he's like, sir, I need your help. You know, something's, he's like, what's wrong with Wimby? Because he can never get Ron's last name right. It kills me every time. But they cure him from this love potion. And then they decide to have a celebratory drink. And Ron takes a drink of it before Harry, Harry and Slughorn do. And then he passes out and basically almost dies. And with quick thinking of Harry, he saves his life. But it turns out that the drink had poison in it. And we find out that it was a gift that Slughorn got, but was going to give to Dumbledore. So someone gave him that wine, mead, I think it was mead is what they say. And then he was going to turn around and give it to Dumbledore. So someone is trying to curse or get to Dumbledore and get all these items. The necklace, I think, was also meant for Dumbledore. So it's just nothing good is coming out of this year. <laughs> what a shocker. So while Ron is in the hospital wing, Hermione's there, Jenny's there, Harry's there, Dumbledore, Snape, everybody's there. And then all of a sudden, Lavender shows up and she is just distraught. She's like, has he been asking for me? Oh my gosh, my little one one, which makes me want to beat my head against the wall when she says that. And then he starts to wake up a little bit and you hear him say something. And she's like, he senses my presence. And then he blurts out the name Hermione. And obviously Lavender is pissed. And they're just broken up after that. You don't even see him really break up with her. She's just done. And I don't blame her. He said another woman's name while he was passed out. And that is a good reason to be upset with him. And then, of course, Hermione's like, oh, he said my name. And Jenny's like, it's about time, right? And she, Hermione's like, oh, shut up. Like, don't, don't talk about, it. don't talk about it to me. So still stubborn, but 
it, the feelings are out there. So Katie is finally out of the hospital wing along with Ron. Ron's all good. Everybody's all good. And he goes to ask Katie who cursed him. And she says, I don't remember. She said, I just, it's, I don't even remember who gave it to me. Well, all of a sudden Draco walks into the dining hall and Katie gets terrified. So obviously she does remember because it was him. So Harry runs after him and we all remember that new spell I talked about earlier that Harry found, the Sectum Sempra. Well, him and Draco get into a duel in the men's bathroom and he uses that new spell that he's found in this book on Draco. Well, it causes him to like get all these cuts and like basically he's bleeding out. That is what causes that spell causes. Luckily, Snape comes to save the day and repairs that's a terrible word to use he heals him that is the word i meant to use he heals him and then nothing's really said about it harry doesn't get in trouble which i find shocking because he attacked a student and almost killed him so i feel like that's grounds for getting in trouble suspension anything but it's just kind of let go so whatever i guess so after that happens, Ron, Hermione, Ginny, they're all with Harry and they tell him that it's it's time that he gets rid of the book. So Ginny takes him to the room of requirement to hide the book and she actually hides it. She tells him to close his eyes and she goes and hides it and then she kisses him. She's like, that can stay up here hidden too if you like. And then all of a sudden, I guess they're dating. And there's that. So that's why it's frustrating because it's just they kiss and then we don't talk about it ever again. I'm not even going to get into it again. We, we've already been there. Just saying. That's why it's frustrating. They also see, though, in the room of requirement, that vanishing cabinet that they were talking about. And I don't think they knew it was there. They just knew that one was at Borgen and Burke. So they found the other one. And then they don't even talk about it. Uh, I don't even think that he tells Ron and Hermione about it. So I don't guess he's worried too much about it. So since Harry feels like he's not getting anywhere with Slughorn and getting this memory, he decides that he's going to take this liquid luck that he won to help him out a little bit. And that scene, those scenes are probably the funniest in this movie where he, he does actually see Slughorn because he says that he's going to go to Hagrid's because he said, I feel like Hagrid's is the place to be tonight. So he starts walking to Hagrid's and he runs into Slughorn and Slughorn's like, how'd you get out of the castle? And he goes through the front door. And he's like, Harry, he's like, sir. He's like, I can't let you leave the castle. And he goes, by all means, come along then. And the sass, it, that's what gets me. It's the sass because this man follows this kid. I'm like, you are the teacher. <laughs> like you have control here, but no, we follow Harry blindly into not even into the woods to Hagrid's hut and we find Hagrid standing out there with this big ass spider from the second movie y'all remember Aragog well he's dead and Hagrid is obviously very upset because that was like his first little baby and so they have like a a memorial I guess Slughorn had, says a few words about him and that's where they get the and the pinchers and that that's also funny. Like I said, when Harry was on Liquid Luck, that just golden cinema right there for me. But after this memorial, they go to Hagrid's hut and Hagrid and Slughorn, they drink and they talk and everything like that. And then when Hagrid passes out, Slughorn says, I know why you're here. 
I know what you want. And he goes, but I can't give it to you. And then Harry tells him the story about his mom and how her love saved him and how he just really needs his help in order to defeat this wizard that tried to kill him because he is the chosen one and he is supposed to kill Voldemort. So Slughorn does give him the memory. He says, please don't think ill of me. He goes, this, you don't know what he was like before. He was very convincing. And then we get to see this memory. And in the memory, Tom is asking Slughorn about Horcruxes. That is the rare piece of magic that he wants to know about. And a Horcrux is an object that someone can put part of their soul in. But in order to do that, you have to murder someone to split your soul. And Tom asks about how many times you can split your soul. And he says, what about seven times? He goes, seven? He goes, that's a lot. And he goes, how could you even feel okay with killing one person, let alone seven? And then he's like, oh, it's all hypothetical. It's it's not real. Well, we do find out later that it was real. And he did succeed in that task. He split his soul into seven items. One of them is the book, the diary from the Chamber of Secrets. That was a horcrux. And then a ring from his mother. That, that was also a horcrux. And Dumbledore thinks that he has found another one. And he needs Harry's help to go get it. So they end up traveling to go find this Horcrux, and it's in this cave that was actually in a picture from the first memory that you see with Dumbledore and Voldemort. He has a picture of it hanging by the window. So when they get there, it's a hella creepy and very fitting, I guess, for where Voldemort would hide a Horcrux. It gives off that vibe. So in this cave, they dive deeper into this cave, and they make it to the Horcrux, and it's this potion that you have to drink because the horcrux is underneath the potion so Dumbledore drinks it and it causes him to be in pain and wanting to die and he tells Harry before he starts to do this that if that does happen that he has to continue to give him this potion until they finish it well he eventually finishes it they get the horcrux it's like this little locket type situation going on and then Dumbledore's like oh I need some water like you can just tell he is fading fast like this man is not doing hot and then all of a sudden these creatures they look like not skeletons they're like little like they look like Gollum from Lord of the Rings in the water to me (laughs) that is what they look like and they start attacking Harry and he can't fight them off and then all of a sudden he gets dragged down into this water and then there's fire and Dumbledore is being a badass and saving the day, even though he is near death. We love this man. He ends up, you know, getting all these nasty things to go away. And then they do end up making it out of there and back to Hogwarts. But before we see that, we actually see the vanishing cabinet in all its glory. We see it in the room of requirements and then we see its sister at Borgen and Burke. And Draco ends up transporting Bellatrix and other Death Eaters to Hogwarts. And he literally opens the cabinet and then leaves. I'm like, what are, what are you doing? You're not going to wait for them to get here? Like, I get that this is an evil plan, but I still am, like, very confused on why he left. I knew I know he had somewhere else that he had to go and he had to do, but it still just always confused me. Like, he opens up the cabinet and then they appear, but Draco's already gone, I guess, manners etiquette whatever is just not up to death eater standards but whatever 
we, like I said, Harry and Dumbledore do make it back to Hogwarts and he is very weak. Dumbledore is, and he is like, oh, we need to go get you to Madame Pomfrey, I believe is her name, is the nurse. And he's like, no, you need to bring me Severus. He goes, only Severus can help me. And so Harry starts to go get Snape and then they hear someone coming up to his office. It, I think it's his office. That's what it looks like there, but I'm not hundred percent sure. And he tells Harry to go hide and he goes, don't come out for anybody except for me. He goes, just go hide. Well, who they heard coming up the stairs was Draco and he is a death eater. Now Harry was right. And his duty, his, what he's supposed to do for the dark Lord is kill Dumbledore. And Dumbledore is basically trying to talk him off the ledge. He's, you know, convincing him that he doesn't need to do this, that he can help him. And Draco's like, you can't help me. Like I have to do this. And he, Dumbledore just keeps telling him, you know, how good he's done at all this, even though it was bad and ill-intended. Like, he's just, he's trying to make him feel better and that he can help him. And Draco is very upset. Like, he's crying. So, it makes you think that he actually does care about Dumbledore, even though he's talked mad shit about him for countless movies. And he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to have to kill somebody. And you can just tell it's just breaking his heart and he's starting to lower his wand and but then Bellatrix shows up and she's like no you need to do this you have to do this and we see Harry down below hiding and he's backing up he's got his wand out trying to find a good angle I guess to help defend Dumbledore and then Snape appears behind him and he tells him you know thing you know he tells him to shh and he's gonna go take care of it well, Snape does show up, and you think he's there to help, but he kills Dumbledore. And it's so sad, because Dumbledore's just looking at him, he's like, Severus, please, like, begging him not to do it. And he does the Vada Kedavra, and then he falls off his balcony down to the, the courtyard area. And it is just heartbreaking, because it's slow-mo that you're watching this man that you have just grown to care for for six movies now just fall to his death at the hand of someone who was his closest friend and then you have Bellatrix and the Death Eaters just going and destroying Hogwarts you know Bellatrix is going into the dining hall and she is kicking plates and she is busting windows taking out all of the candles that are lit and they're burning down Hagrid's hut and they are just causing mass destruction and Harry is going after them and he's yelling and he's like he trusted you I can't believe you would do this and he's trying to fight him and he's like fight back you coward fight back and he's you know trying to do the spell the sectum semper spell and snape you know deflects it he's like you're trying to use my own spell on me he goes that's right i'm the half-blood prince and jaw just dropped like I flabbergasted found my flabbergasted button and you pressed it so obviously snape and the death eaters do end up escaping and we make it back to the courtyard where Dumbledore's body is lying there and Harry goes up to him takes the locket that they had found and they all raise their wands to as a symbol of mourning I, I would like to think and celebration also of life is kind of what I look at it and then they also defeat the death eater symbol that um, Bellatrix had shown up into the sky so it's just kind of one of those that even though this is a sad situation like the good can still prevail over the evil. I don't know if that's what they're conveying, but it, that's what I got from it. So the next day, 
Harry and Hermione are talking and they're talking about the horcruxes and everything and Harry tells Hermione that the locket that they found is a fake and in the locket is a note saying from someone with the initials RAB that they had stolen the real horcrux and that they were going to destroy it. So Harry then tells Ron and Hermione that he's going after the rest of the horcruxes and that he has to finish what him and Dumbledore started and he says that he's not coming back to Hogwarts because of this and that he will write Ron and Hermione to let him know where they are or let them know where he is. Sorry, I got that confused. And she says, you know, you're really smart, but you can be really thick sometimes. She goes, you need us. You need our help to find these Horcruxes and help defeat it. She goes, so we're coming with you, basically, is what she's saying. She really doesn't give him an option. And honestly, he's going to need all the help he can get. I don't know why he thought as one person could go find the rest of these five Horcruxes. I was about to say four, but the locket's fake. So five Horcruxes. And this year was not wrapped up in a bow, but it for sure gets you excited about what's to come. And it does have a nice ending with Fox the Phoenix flying over the sky as kind of a symbol of, you know, Dumbledore's leaving. And it this movie, there was no... There was funny parts, but this movie is not a happy movie. It's not one of those that you watch to be in a good mood. It is a great movie and it is a fantastic book but it definitely does not make you happy. And it's definitely one of those that gives you a whole lot of information for the next movie and gets you more excited because in the next two movies, you're basically just following all of the Harry, Ron, and Hermione as they go with, on this adventure to find the rest of these Horcruxes. And do they defeat Voldemort? I don't know. We'll have to see. As always, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We will be back on June 3rd for part one of our final two movies with Deathly Hollows part one. I do love these movies. They're very exciting. I did feel like part one was a little slow paced, but it's also one of my favorites out of this. And so I'm very excited to dive into this two-parter with you guys. But until then, go to my TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all or movie at Movie Theater Mom. Give me a follow and keep up with what's going on. I would really appreciate it just as much as I appreciate you guys listening to me ramble today. See you later. Mm -hmm.